Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchard. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast. I'm Moses Bradford. Great to be back with you with Grace Evans as usual. I am so glad to be back at the podcasting table here in the Fortress of Sanctitude. It's good um, to have you back, Moses. <laughs> after uh, after dealing with a little bout of COVID, I'm fine. I was always fine, but um, it was fun. I got a false negative test. I know, he tested negative and then he tested positive. Oh my gosh, that was such a... I, I have even more gray hairs um, over <laughs> because of that. <laughs> But there's so much to yourself. talk about today. What'd you say? <laughs> you just aged yourself a bit. Oh, I did. But anyways, I did. I yeah, did. we have so much on the plate. Yes, so wow. much to talk about. We we took a break last mm-hmm. week, and so we're so glad to be back with you. Make sure that you're if if you love this podcast, please do share this with friends and family. That's how we uh, how that's how we're starting to build an audience. We're so pleased with the feedback we've gotten so mm-hmm. far, including from national organizations who who listen to this podcast and appreciate it. We want to keep that going. And so let's get into it. Let's get into some crazy yeah. news this week. First, I want to talk about the uh, the Minnesota GOP. The uh, Republican Party here in Minnesota is, uh, they're facing some difficulties. Hmm. <laughs> that's like, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, some yeah. difficulties, you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, let, me, let me be uh, very tactful. So this is a headline from uh, Politico, a national publication. Hmm. Minnesota GOP in ruins after shocking scandal. Now, that's not necessarily what you want to hear uh, no. with, with an election uh, about 14 months away. Um, and so what, what would basically happen, and I want to be very, very uh, just many people are probably familiar with the story. But if you're not, uh, the GOP chair, Jennifer Carnahan, she quit last week. And the proximate cause of her leaving was a firestorm that engulfed the party in recent days, I'm quoting from the Politico article here, after a GOP donor she was close to, uh, some people say he was the party's largest donor, mm-hmm. Anton Tony Lazaro, was indicted on federal sex trafficking charges. Wow. Yeah. Wow, um, that's big. Okay. Uh, I know. Uh, a pylon ensued with Carnahan accused by party officials and former staffers of running a toxic retaliatory workplace, mismanaging party finances, etc. And so one former deputy chair of the party says the party is in ruins. And wow. uh, he added, I don't think that the party, uh, I don't know if the party has hit rock bottom yet. So this is this is huge. So um, we have this guy, Tony Lazaro, obviously a grade A creep. Um, people talk about him being some kind of big mover and shaker. I wasn't actually familiar with him until this happened. But obviously he was a sketchy guy. Um, this is a family program, so I'm not going to get into details of what he was charged with doing. But um, suffice to say that he was uh, recruiting young women, sometimes yeah. underage women, to engage in X-rated activities. Some pretty nasty stuff. Yeah, in his apartment um, where he was also holding GOP fundraisers. And um, and then he was uh, paying women with uh, or girls with uh, with cash, with vapes, with alcohol, and just a and, and, and he had an accomplice, and uh, this couldn't get worse for the GOP. His accomplice was a young woman who was the chair uh, of the University of Saint Thomas College Republicans. Really? I know. Wow. I know. Wow, I know. Moses. It just yeah. gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. So so the GOP needs to clean house. Like, mm-hmm. 
Okay, the Minnesota Family Council is a nonpartisan organization. Yeah, we're not afraid of criticizing no. the right. We're not afraid of criticizing progressives. No, we criticize absolutely, them both. <laughs> absolutely. So, so when we when we see something like this, we're not going to stay silent. We're yeah. not going to we're not going to just be like, oh well, the GOP has problems enough. We just need to, you know, quiet down and let them sort it out. No, when there's evil, we're calling it out. Yeah, we're going to call. This is evil, and it, the Republican Party does need to clean house. If mm-hmm. this is the type of Activity that's tolerated behind Who closed doors. Who knew about this? Right. When did they know about it? Why Has, didn't they say something why about didn't it? Why did they say something? I, I believe um, so. Lazaro was um, was arrested. I think early August or late July, hmm. and he his his apartment I think was raided uh, last year. Wow. So raided. people should have known this was coming, and that was obviously a mm-hmm. secret secret raid by. By uh, I think the FBI. Interesting. And anyway, so so this the, the, this is all coming out now, and I just oh one one hilarious element here. So um, a lot of Republicans, and I think this is amazing. A lot of Republicans on the national level have been taking up the fight against um, pornography. Hmm. Uh, like Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, for example. True. He's yeah. He's someone who has. Uh, has started to look at legislation and how can we limit access to online pornography. We know that young people, children are accessing this content. We know that when they access pornography, that there is a lifelong potential effect that that would have. It is absolutely horrifying that the, the material that's available on the internet, and this is not, I think it's very important to stress that this is pornography becomes more and more radical. It becomes more and more disgusting. The the um, one of the biggest genres of porn is rape fantasy porn, and that 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 material is available with a few clicks of a mouse should make us all sick and should mm-hmm. make us all work <laughs> work to keep this, uh, if not off the internet altogether, at least some kind of um, real actual. Uh, ways of keeping this away out of the hands of children. Right. Why is that controversial? I know, and it's it's insane because you can just, you can, in our world, since we live in a digital age, you can literally go online and search for sin. Like, it's at the tips of, it's your, at your fingertips. And so many kids have access to screens, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit later yes. on the podcast. Yes. Don't want to spoil anything, but you're absolutely right there, Moses. It's crazy. I don't know if you heard about, there was some celebrity, I'm trying to find the name and I can't find it, but recently there was some celebrity who was saying, we need to make like softcore porn for kids because they're going to be watching oh, porn. Did you see gosh. that? No. Oh, it's crazy. Maybe We'll find it. We'll put a screenshot on the screen for you. Um, but Are she you was, serious? Yeah. And then there, like some people were praising that and we're like, yeah, absolutely. Like we should support that. She did get called out by a lot of people too, though. Oh, okay. It was, it was okay. crazy. It really okay. just makes your That's, skin crawl. My, my blood Oof. pressure is rising. But what, the one thing I wanted to say about this, so Josh Hawley is tweeting about how he's going after Pornhub. Pornhub is one of the most, the, the dirtiest, nastiest. They, they Not only do they host nasty stuff, but they play dirty. They know that they have material on their platform that involves minors, and they refuse to take it down. Some women who, ha- who have been victimized themselves yeah. have called Pornhub They've and be been, like, take this off. Like, this is me. Being I was raped a minor. Too. Yeah. Like, women have gone and then said, like, this is me being raped. Take the video down. And they yeah. have to plead and cry and scream and send emails and file lawsuits to get these videos of them being raped off of this website. That's yeah. terrible. That's so, so dehumanizing. Pornhub is... Pornhub is uh, one of the worst things going on in our society, in my humble opinion. It's so bad. And Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri is going after it. Now, after Tony Lazaro was arrested on mm. these uh, 
tra- uh, charges of sex trafficking minors and producing pornography. Um, he uh, this this tweet uh, was was uh, raised up where Josh Hawley was tweeting about going after the porn industry, and um, <laughs> and Tony Lazaro replies to his tweet mm-hmm. and says, "Wow, going after the porn industry, you're making us Republicans look bad." <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That okay, okay, so you, you are, as this is going on, you are literally engaging in sex trafficking of, sex trafficking of minors, but what you're saying is making the Republican Party look bad as when what Republicans about what you're actually doing? have a backbone yeah. and go after something which is literally one of the... Dehumanizing women and children. Exactly. Don't treat humans like objects. Exactly. So that's the state of the Minnesota Republican Party. And if you want to change that... It's not looking great for our future. It's not looking great, but there there is hope. Yep. There is hope. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what that hope is, is if instead of this jaded class of Minneapolis party activists running the show, it's if conservatives from around Minnesota mm-hmm. stand up and say, no, 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 we are not going to let that happen yeah. in, in the Republican right. Party. We are going to stand up we are going to take leadership of the party down at the BPOU level and at the at the district party level and finally at the state party level so that we like just like 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 Jesus going into the temple and flinging out the money lenders like that is what we need right now we need grassroots activists to stand up and take back a republican party and make it a party that actually does believe in the sanctity of life in protecting women and children and children and, and not the cynical oh okay okay so yep. that's enough about the republicans let me let me uh, let me jump on uh, uh, on the left for a second here um, this isn't a huge story so i don't want to spend a ton of time on it but i think it's so it's instructive important. about the way mm-hmm. the left thinks so this is a story from Roseville Minnesota mm-hmm. and last week so we have the principal of Brimhall Elementary School in Roseville his name is Ryan Vernosh Mm-hmm. And he uh, he got into an argument on Facebook uh, with uh, a guy, uh, a man who's also a teacher and who lives in Roseville. Uh, he teaches at a Lutheran school named Alan Halasek. Uh, apologies if I'm getting that name wrong. So this is reporting in Elfin News. And, and um, uh, so the original post, um, Alan Halasek uh, uh, writes, Kids need to learn that the world does not revolve around their feelings and that you cannot transition from one sex to the other. This type of teaching is incredibly damaging to children, and if you're going to be a principal of a school, you need to change this. And that is so true. Let's just take a second to understand Mm -hmm. that you cannot change your sex. If you're telling kids that they're able to change your sex, you are lying to them. You are pushing them into the sex change industry, which we're going to talk about one of these days. Yeah, we absolutely will. We will. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to blow the lid on that because it is horrifying what is being done. Um, yeah. Just just like, no, no, I can't, I can't get on that rabbit trail because we need to stay focused. But we're going to, so like what, what Alan is saying here is completely correct. This is how the principal of an elementary school, mm-hmm. a public elementary school funded by our tax dollars, this is how he responds. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you How come dare here you? and disparage our youth that are transgender or non-binary? Now, is Alan disparaging anyone? No. He's speaking the truth. He's speaking the truth. And he's, he's saying that he's basically saying we need to love children 
by telling, we need to love children enough not to lie to them. Mm-hmm. Love children enough to show them that, that their body is made perfectly for them. That 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 you. it has been designed perfectly by God. No one is in the wrong body. Like, Amen. I was created female, and praise God. Moses Amen. was created male. Praise God. Uh, we're not. We don't have the wrong bodies. So, like, when you're a teen or a tween, that's hard. Like, it, it's a hard. Puberty is so hard. It's hard for girls, yeah. particularly. We understand that this is a problem. This is not the solution. And so, and I just think this 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 principal Ryan Bernach, and he's mm-hmm. been decorated. He got to meet President Obama. So this is a decorated educator, and he he said, uh, "Take your bigoted BS off my timeline." So he's he's talking about the biblical, traditional, and biologically uh, correct views of sex and gender are bigoted BS. That's what you're in danger of uh, of, of 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 confronting if you if you send your kids to public schools in a large metro area. Like that is what is going on, and I think I just think that's that's not a uh, that that's just something to be aware of that that this is this is what. Um, this is what is going on, mm-hmm. and uh, Alan Halasek, he is the, the guy who made this comment. Uh, he had a great way of uh, summing this up. He said, this principle, in my opinion, has demonstrated that he is not capable of love or respect for those who question the ideologies he intends to push onto our children. Wow. I mean, yeah. And, like, I'm really glad you're bringing this up, Moses, because there are some Christians, I know a few of them, actually I know a lot of them, who I would say are passive Christians, and they'll, they'll cl- make claims They'll say, hey, Christianity isn't really that much under attack in our world. Mm. Our world isn't really that post-truth. Like, Christians are still pretty respected. The Christian worldview is very prominent still. So if you're saying that the world is has a negative attitude towards Christianity, you're wrong. It's it's really it's pretty it's pretty peaceful out there. It really isn't. That's not true. No. This sort of thing is happening here in Minnesota. It's right. happening nationwide. And it's an attack on religious liberties, it's an attack on Christianity, it's an attack on children. So I think this just goes to illustrate that we are living in a post-truth world. You know, two plus two equals five in our world. Read 1984. Up is down. You know, what is not true is apparently true. Whatever mm-hmm. isn't scientific is science, apparently. You know, it's just everything is spinning, and it's, it's a good reminder, Moses. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and, and so what, why is this issue coming up? It's because young people are hurting. It's mm-hmm. because young people are telling their peers and their parents, mm-hmm. I identify as uh, non-binary or identify as um, something other than what I was born as. And that is a problem that we're seeing in this generation more than any other and that is, I think that's so dangerous. So, so Grace, the problem here is that minors, young people, children are telling their peers, telling their parents mm-hmm. that they are uh, transgender or non-binary. That's, that is happening now in this generation more than it ever has in the past. So what on earth is going on in Generation Z? You are Generation Z. Mm-hmm. Help us understand, like, the mindset of these young people. Yeah, Great question. Really glad you brought that up. So recently, uh, New York Post uh, ran an article titled, Gen Z is made of zombies, less educated, more depressed, without values. And <laughs> Right. And just that headline alone, you know, that's, we'll put that on the screen too. That just, wow, that really hits hard and it really catches your attention, you know, for good reason. Yeah. Uh, the whole article itself is actually centered around a book uh, called Hollowed Out, 
A Warning About America's Next Generation. And that book is written by Jeremy Adams, who is a teacher. Um, he has one... Like, so he sees this firsthand. Right. He sees this firsthand in his classrooms. So teacher Jeremy Adams is the author. And this whole article is basically just about the book that he wrote. It's an op-ed. And um, it's it's so interesting. So he, I'm going to read just a quote from you from his book. Uh, he sta- This is what he states, Moses. He said, he frets that today's Gen Z... Are, is barren of the behavior, values, and hopes from which human beings have traditionally found higher meaning or even mm-hmm. simple contentment. So Adam's word for our generation, my generation, uh, is hollowed out. He says we're hollowed out. He says we're a generation living solitary lives, hyper-connected to technology, but unattached to our families, churches, wow. and communities. That is insane. I know. And doesn't it really just hit it right on the head of the problem? Because. Yeah. I mean, he in his book, so I actually went on last night when I was researching for this, I went on Amazon Preview, and I was like, wow, this book looks so good. So I started reading it, right? Mm-hmm. Something he points to in his book, this is just the first few chapters, he cites, cites statistics showing that teen depression has risen 63%, 63% from 2007 to two, 2017. And uh, uh, suicide in teens has grown 56%. And you 56%. know what happened in 2007? Uh, the first iPhone came out. Really? Yeah. See, I'm so young, guys. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Not a coincidence. And not only that, but he also he also talks about this in his book. Suicide has become the second leading cause of death in my generation. Oh, my god. Second gosh. leading cause of death. So first leading cause is accidents, but second leading is suicide. Oh, my goodness. Right. Like, that is, that is an existential threat mm-hmm. to our, not, like... That these people, you, Grace, and and, and your peers, mm-hmm. are literally the future of this country, mm-hmm. and and we're looking at a future where young people are are hollowed out, mm-hmm. and I just, yeah, well, t- tell me more about what that means. I'm mm-hmm. not sure I'm quite taking that on board. Fully. Yeah, let's talk more about that because that's that's good. I um, really his main point in this, Jeremy Adams, and I absolutely agree with him. I think what he's saying is right, right. Absolutely right. Um, his main point is about, one of his main points anyways, is about how screens and technology and how that's impacting my generation. And truly, I I think he's right. You know, if we're sitting down at, if I'm sitting down at a restaurant with my friend and I go to the bathroom and I come back, my friend is usually like on his or her phone texting away. It's, mm-hmm. we have this, like, we don't have a big attention span. You know, we constantly have to be entertained because we have screens surrounding us so much of the time. And so here's some things that screens cause. I've done a bit of research on this. I've thought about this a lot because I am a part of the digital generation. Screens can cause laziness uh, because you're just sitting around on your on your phone or on your computer. And actually, I was looking into this too. Teens are more likely to want to stay at home and watch Disney Plus or Netflix than they are to want to go out and hang out with their friends in person. That's insane. I know. I know. That's insane. So sad. I I, I grew up. I did grow up on the. in the pre-smartphone generation. Smartphones mm-hmm. were not a thing until I was in high school, and I didn't get one until I was out of college, I think. But, um, and, and and so, like, it would never have occurred to me, well, actually, actually, no, I take that back, because digital addiction was already a thing. I was sitting at home on the computer, mm-hmm. engaging with people on Facebook and in forums, and I, I, yeah, I, I absolutely, like, I understand a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. This is way before, like, the idea of selfies and right. all that Snapchat, stuff. Snapchat, yeah, which but, the whole concept of Snapchat, too, is you have to be on the app every single day to keep a streak. 
every single day you have to open an app. So you're attached to this app. And if you don't go on the app and send a picture to your friend, then you lose your streak. That is the epitome of addiction. Addiction mentality. Right. Right. And I used I used to have a Snapchat account like in high school. Wow, I'm old. Four years ago or whatever. I used to have one. That's insane. And then I realized, you know, why am I doing this? You know, is it because everyone else does? Yeah. It was because everyone else did. Ridiculous. Um, sorry, mm. I cut you off there, Moses. But No, no, no. I'm, I'm done. You're absolutely right. And imagine what COVID lockdowns did oh to this. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. actually have stats on this. This yeah. is mentioned in the book. Jeremy wrote that he there's a study conducted. There's an es- estimated, um, a young person's, so Gen Z's screen time, increased an estimated five times five hours a day during COVID. Five hours a day. Wow. During and some COVID. of that's class time with online classes. True. But still. But still. That's yeah. That's insane. That's so much time. So anyways, you know, it can cause laziness because you're sitting around. Other things that screens and technology can cause for young people is, you know, depression and suicide, like we've talked about. Mm. Depression and suicide skyrockets. And you know, why is that? Good question. Social media is a comparison game. Mm. Uh, you're going on there. You're seeing other people. And, you know, we have to realize if we're going to use social media, and I use social media, so I'm not saying everyone needs to completely get off of it. But if you're using it, recognize that everyone's social media is a highlight reel. Everyone's showing the best of themselves. Right. You're able to curate your identity. You're able to show only what you want other people to see. So what people see of me online is exactly what I want them to see. They're not seeing everything else behind the scenes. And we have to remember that. Oh, my gosh. That's so... That's so- so devastating mm-hmm. the idea that you could be an, uh, a young girl or a young yeah. guy and, and you're looking and, and your, your peers are putting out this version of themselves that is sugar-coated. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's probably the kindest possible word for it. Or downright fictional in, this, in the way that they're presenting themselves. And then you're comparing yourself to that and you feel you can never measure up. Right. Right. Ex- absolutely. And even in a world where it's insane because social media is a world where likes are the most important thing. You know, like how many likes you get on a photo or how many followers you have. It's just, it's so material, you know? It's 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 absolutely crazy. And it's crazy that it's completely taken over our generation because, you know, in your generation, that wasn't even a thing. Like when was Facebook created? 2004. 2004, 2004. You know, I was three years old then. <laughs> um, it's crazy. It hasn't even been around for that long. And Instagram is very recent. Snapchat is very recent. Anyways, moving on. So it does that. It, uh, screens technology can also cause, it It does cause a decreased attention span. And mm. The Shallows by, I'm blanking on the author. Nicholas Carr. Nicholas Carr. Yes, love that book. I am rereading it right now. I read it in high school. It's so good. Like it really talks about that. I tried to that. read it, but like I, I just couldn't pay attention to it. Moses, his IQ is like here and mine's like here. Just using. <laughs> well, your but, attention span clearly is better than mine. But no, that. because really, if you think about it, when I was a kid, I could read a whole book in one sitting, like a thick book. I was a really avid reader and I still can do that. But my tendency now is I read a chapter of a book and then I reach for my phone to see if someone texted me or if Moses slacked me about some work thing. Right. I reach for my phone and it really talks about that in the book. So if you want more uh, information on lack of attention span and what the internet is doing to our attention span, read that book or just look up some articles on it because it's so it's absolutely crazy. Grace, like, sounds like Jeremy Adams is presenting the problem in this book, Hollowed Out. Mm-hmm. What do you think that that Christians and the church should should do to help young people who may be experiencing in, in our families and our congregations who are experiencing this alienation. How can we help them? This is horrible. This right. is It really is, I think, different than what other generations have had to experience. It is, because we're the digital generation. Like, some people call us iGen instead of Gen Z, mm. which kind of makes sense, you know? Like, now in America, we have teens, like, 
sometimes as young as 10 years old, kids sitting on their $1,000 phones, right. having a lack of social interaction or familial interaction because they're attached to this online world. It's really sad, but good question. So I would say, number one, just if you're a parent, be, be aware of what screens can do to kids and how yes. it can formulate their minds and limit your kids' screen time. And I'm not going to say, like, kids shouldn't have any screen time, whatever, like, okay, do I'm your going own to parenting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when I, I mean, I have like, my own opinion on that, but. No, no, like, honestly, based on, based on what I, like, I, I, I haven't been focusing on the, the statistics on depression and stuff. I've been focusing on the type of material that is out mm-hmm. there and that kids yeah. have access to. Not just on hardcore sites. I'm talking about what's on Instagram, right? What's on TikTok? What's on what's on? Yeah, even kid friendly things like Disney Plus and Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. YouTube Kids. There is stuff on there that you would never want your child to see, and yet we have ten year olds begging their parents for smartphones and Instagram accounts. And I would just say something to parents: mm-hmm. you do not have to give your child a smartphone. No, I would suggest not doing it, even even if it makes like, okay, I have a two-year-old, okay? So I do know just a little bit about denying a child something that they really want. Mm-hmm. It is not easy to do. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that at all. But I really do think that the longer a child can have a healthy, uh, healthy climb friend trees. group. Go climb a tree. Play yeah. make-believe. You, you play know, make-believe. play tag. Right, right. Those are the things that earlier generations grew up doing. I grew now, up doing that. You grew up doing that. It's and crazy. now, now six, eight, even, man. Three-year-olds have their own iPads or Kindles. Right. Three-year-olds, right. two-year-olds. And that is, it's, that is so, like, parents are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. They give the kids a device mm-hmm. so that, so that they can care for the other kids, so that they can pay the bills. Parents are busy people. I get that the internet and it, it is amazing how passive kids become when they are exposed Absolutely. to Paw Patrol or uh, or Shaun the Sheep or whatever it is. And I'm not saying those I mean, things are bad. There is a place for you can there is turn a place on a for show that. for your kid. That's fine, but it's the incessant putting screens incessantly in front of your kids or giving them unlimited access to that. That's so unhealthy. And now, thankfully, there are like apps and programs where you can control. You can have your kids' apps shut off at a certain time if you do decide right. to give them a phone, which is what I would do. You know, I think that's really smart because Apple's parental your, controls. Yeah, your kid shouldn't be on Instagram. If, if you have a 10-year-old, your kid shouldn't be on Instagram for more than an hour a day. Like, that's just... No. There's no reason that there they should be no comparing reason. themselves to the kids for, for... They shouldn't be doing that, first of all. But that is what the app is geared towards, you know? It's like, it's it sucks you in. That's what social media is about. It wants to bring you in and keep you in. Um, right. It's So, yeah, limit screen time. Um, and also, if you're a parent, like, talk to your kids about social media, too. Even if... So say you're like, okay, you can get a social media account. Talk to them before you let them do it. Like, explain to them social media. What you put on social media stays on social media. You can delete it, but you can't delete it. You can take it off your profile, but it is... someone's taking a screenshot of it, it is still out there. It's stored in databases. Like, what you post stays up forever. So have that talk. Um, Have the talk just about, you know, the comparison game, the highlight reel. That's so important. The social media networks are not your friends. No, they're not. And also, like, talk about echo chambers. Because because on social media, what we like to do is we like to follow people we agree with. And there's a time and place for that. Like, I follow people I agree with, you know. I follow Ali Bestucky, who I love. She's awesome. Agree with, like, 99% of what she says. But I also follow people I disagree with. Because you have to surround yourself with people who both agree and disagree with you. That's really important. Right. And so social media media has become this echo chamber, especially for people that are involved in politics, because it's really easy to just be like, okay, you agree with me, so I'm only going to listen to your podcast, and I'm only going to read this news source. Um, So to have that talk, too, 
have a talk about, you know, centeredness of self because social media is very centered on yourself. Mm. I don't know if I said this already in the podcast, but kids spend more time editing their own identity than they do looking at other people's social media. So kids, Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Say that again. Kids spend more time online editing their own identity and their own profile than they do looking at other people's content. And they're doing that because they're... Self-centered. So they're self-centered mm-hmm. and they're... And, but it is also it is also focused on others. It's focused on that attain, attaining some kind of perfection, like yeah. editing a selfie to get that perfect right. skin tone or whatever because you're competing. You think you're competing with this marketplace where all your mm-hmm. friends are doing that, where they have perfect selfies. And what does that create? It creates a lack of physical relationships. And that's mm. really at the heart of what Jeremy uh, Jeremy Adams is saying. You know, what he's saying is this, is, this is a summary from his book. He says, in sum, they, Gen Z, are disdainful of any knowledge beyond their computer screens and alienated from the values, aspirations, and institutions and commitments that traditionally define growing up. Then he continues, different page. That's shocking. Yeah. He says, it is not a good sign when so many young Americans are skeptical of marriage and family. It is not a good sign when so many young Americans are hostile to their own country. It is not a good sign when Mm -hmm. so many Americans are wholly indifferent to the possibility of God or spirituality, to thinking about life's biggest questions, to seeking wisdom. And it is not a good sign when so many young Americans find their social life in social media. Isn't that just wow? That is... Good, good. Heavens. So good. <laughs> Anyways, I think I could talk a lot more about this topic. It's I'm very passionate about it. You know, there's there's really so much. My generation is hollowed out. He's it absolutely sounds like, right. It sounds like what's happening is, uh, to some extent, like Gen Z and millennials as well are the least religious generations in modern American history. And it sounds like what's replacing religious affiliation and also relational, re- re- also just I any relationships. Like I, I, I've. It seems um, millennials. I think Gen Z is a little young for this yet, but millennials are the most estranged from their parents mm-hmm. of any generation. Like adult, adult millennials, and uh, all millennials are adults at this point. But, but millennial adults are the most likely to be estranged from their parents of any generation because they they don't. They don't. They they are hollowed out there. They have escaped from the rootedness of family and community right. because yeah, because family dinners aren't as common now. Actually, right. Most of the time, teens are sitting in, in their bed eating food by themselves on their phone oh than having family dinners. That, that that depresses me so much. Right. Where where is there hope here? Like, how can we? How can we? Um, like, I think it's so important for the church to realize this yeah. isn't a unfixable no, scenario. It really is just talking about how. We need to talk about how ev- your identity is not in how others perceive you. It never has been. Your mm. identity Amen. is in God. So if we can remind teens of that and if we can limit screen time, not completely do away with it. I mean, to each your own. If you're going to do that, that's like your decision. But, you know, limit that. Remind kids that their identity is in God and it's not this social, whatever people think of them socially. And also remind them of the importance of relationships, of in-person relationships. You know, a conversation in person is a lot more effective than texting. It Absolutely. really is. It sort of seems to me like I, I, I have uh, recently I was in a, in a context where I was um, counseling teens as part of a, a, part mm-hmm. of a, um, a, a summer camp. And, and, and I was talking to a young man and he was just really feeling guilty about spending all of his pocket money on like a, a big fancy gaming computer 
mm-hmm. opposed to saving for college and things like you know and 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 he was just like he realized in that moment he was in tears that 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 spending was not was not for his own good it was something that he wanted just like um like a fancy smartphone might be it's something that he wanted but not necessarily something that really makes him happy and mm-hmm. i think i think my 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 thought would be i hope that gen z is open mm-hmm. to us uh well, you you are gen z i'm i'm gen uh, gen y um, to us, those white hairs, though. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be I'll be gray before I'm 35, probably, but that's okay because that just means I'm really enjoying life. That, that, that's my that's my take on that. But I would hope that Gen Z is mm-hmm. open to to me saying to them like, this really isn't making you happy, is it? Like you, the the yeah. pleasures of this world, uh, all this is true in all time, but the pleasures mm-hmm. of this world pale in comparison to the joy that is found in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm who has fully paid for our sins with his precious blood, and who, has, who watches over our lives, who makes it so that we do not have to... Be insecure. We don't have to be insecure about our identity, mm-hmm. about our looks, about our intelligence, about our grades. Our likes. Our likes. Uh, the, our yeah, followers. exactly. The amount of retweets, the amount of... Right. Uh, regrams, is that the word? I actually got a lot of likes on a tweet yesterday. Not yesterday, but recently. Oh, see. By live, a- like live action retweeted so it. That's from Satan. It must be from Satan, you know? I'm very, yeah. Just, I, I'm te- no, but like, I'm, I'm teasing, but like, I, I hope that the message we can bring to mm-hmm. bring to young people is, yeah. you're hurting, you're lonely, your smartphone is making this happen. If you think religion is irrelevant, think again. Religion, mm-hmm. cr- not religion in general, Christianity. We carry around a little glass god in our pocket. Mm. Ooh, I like that. I think that might be something similar to what Andy Wilson says, so I didn't just coin that. He said something like that. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like a little Buddha statue, mm-hmm. you know. You little glass god. You, you you give it little offerings and of your time and your dopamine. What's so crazy, Moses, is that never before has has any generation had so much information and knowledge at their fingertips. Yeah. I have so much information right here on this computer, and what does my generation do the majority of the time when they have this information? They go and they look at meaningless things. Yes. Instead of like. Oh, look, there's a plethora of ways I could be educated. There's Khan Academy. There's Prager mm, U. There's un- our Unwoke videos. Great word use. Ooh, our Unwoke videos. <laughs> do we have a new Unwoke video, Grace? We do have a new Unwoke video, actually. Wow. And it's called um, America Needs Manly Men. And it's hosted by our very own producer, Jack Bittner. Awesome video. Absolutely awesome. Go check it out on our YouTube channel, Minnesota Family Council, or on our Instagram, MN Family Council, or on our Facebook. You can find us on all those platforms great video. Um, I think Jack really addresses in that video mm-hmm. a lot of the things we're talking about. Yeah, like, he really we're does. We're talking about uh, girls a little bit particularly, but Jack's talking about how our generation needs manly men, mm-hmm. and, and men are just as threatened by the digital ecosystem as women are, just in different ways, and and Jack talks about that. I think, it's, I think that's really good. Yeah, so sh- check it out. So this is a doozy of an episode, and mm-hmm. we would normally stop now, but we have one more thing to talk about. We took a week off last week, and and now and so much happened that we, we lot need to, cover. to discuss. And everyone's talking about one this. One more thing, yeah, for good reason. One more thing that is on everyone's minds, which is Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing now is the final drawdown of American troops and American civilians and Afghans who want to escape the Taliban, which uh, is most of them. Uh, and and what what happened is. Uh, this is the, the failure of our project over the last 20 years to build a democracy in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is horrifying to see this failure, which really 
probably was, I think people realized at the end of the Bush administration and then in the early Obama years, this was there was this whole debate about um, mission failure in Afghanistan. And then um, finally, um, in 2019 and 2020, President Trump and his administration decided, and this is this is after we, unfortunately, after we realized that the Afghan uh, government and the Afghan army were not capable of holding the country in the long term against the Taliban, unless there was some sort of deal, a power-sharing deal with the Taliban. So that's what President Trump set out to do. He tried to make a deal with the Taliban. He did make a deal with the Taliban, which uh, would have uh, led our military to leave on uh, May 1st and uh, of this year. So what happened there? So, so President Biden uh, extended that deadline to August 31, and, uh, and, then, everything, <laughs> and then everything went to hell. <laughs> It's, what we're seeing is a massive failure from our commander-in-chief. We're seeing, we're seeing a failure. huge failure. President Biden said last week, he said the buck stops with me. And I don't think he realized at the time how much that is going to come back to bite him. It is already biting him. And what we're seeing is that it just it just seems so clear that things were done backwards. Mm-hmm. We evacuated our largest uh, military presence, Bagram Air Force Base. We evacuated that um, a couple months ago in the middle of the night leaving almost all of our equipment, millions of dollars of equipment. And now who has that equipment? And, and the Taliban now has that equipment. And we left in the middle yep. of the night without telling the Afghan, our Afghan allies, showing them that we don't trust them. And, uh, you know, the dark side of the story is that they have proved that the $100 billion we have spent over the last 20 years training and equipping the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National mm-hmm. Security Forces, the police force, was money wasted. Because the Taliban, what's, what happened uh, between August 10th and August 15th is that the Taliban came from their power bases into each new uh, city and provincial capital, and they approached the, uh, the, the army units uh, through the means of, of the tribal leaders in the area. And they Are said, they called, hey. like, garrisons? Is that what they're called there? Um, or? I'm, uh, they, basically, yeah. They, okay. approached the, they approached the garrisons uh, of, the, um, of the Afghan National Army, usually... Uh, I'm informed, usually using mm. the intermediary of these local tribal leaders mm. and saying, leave or we're going to kill you all. And in every instance that I'm familiar with, I'm not familiar with any serious fighting that took place between the Afghan National Army, who's been trained by the United States for ten, at least 10 years to resist the Taliban. They did nothing. They threw down their arms and fled. And the Taliban, within five days took over this massive mountainous country with very poor roads and communication and finally uh, finally rode into Kabul on the 20 uh, on the 15th of, of August and and our only our only beachhead left in Afghanistan is around the north side of Kabul mm. International Airport where we are trying to get, to get the last uh, the last American civilians the last American military units and also Afghan people who helped us who are who, they, who we will know, be killed. Who would be killed. Um, and, and many of them already have been killed because, obviously, how does the Taliban try to... Uh, how have they tried to get us out? Right. They have tried to kill any Afghan who would work with us as an interpreter or in other ways. And those people, they ha- the, the threat to their lives is imminent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seriously, there's implications for Americans and anyone who's been friendly towards the American effort there. But also, there's insane implications for women and girls, right, Moses? And it's so heartbreaking. The Taliban is notorious for probably being the most hostile regime to women on the face of the earth. Women 
women will be raped. They will be beaten. They have been beaten. There's viral videos going around of this. It's tragic. Uh, they won't be allowed to leave their house or walk around without a male counterpart. Um, they, men with young young wives will be killed and their wives will be taken. This is already happening. I mean, Christians are fleeing to the mountains to get out, right? They're trying to hide. And women and girls are absolutely scared for good reason. And it's it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating that this our failure, America's failure and Biden's failure, is causing this. Yes. This is our generation's Vietnam. It, and it's, it's a much it's smaller military commitment. Catastrophic, 50,000 people, 50,000 people, 50,000 American soldiers died in Vietnam. We're looking at something like fewer than 4,000 American combat deaths in Afghanistan. However, hundreds of thousands of Afghans did die in this 20-year civil war that we got ourselves involved in, which is already going on between the Taliban and the uh, the tribal chieftains. And we have now left this country. And and now people are falling off of planes because they're so desperate to get out. Did right. you see that viral oh, video too? Man. It's horrifying, so tragic. Horrifying images. That is that is the desperation that's in Afghanistan. Oh. And and I think as Americans, as Americans, what we what we need to do is we need to we need to take a lesson from this. Mm-hmm. Like our our efforts at trying to build American style democracies around the world have mm-hmm. failed. That is not a reflection on our men and women in uniform who did a valiant job uh, executing the mission that they were given, but it is an absolute failure of our political leadership through four administrations, through four administrations to realize that Afghanistan was a failure. And I think the way we have to, the only thing that we have to, that that we have left to do is to pray. Pray, yep. And and so we sent out a letter last week, uh, and and I want to repeat this again. If you know... Any American citizens, for example, missionaries mm-hmm. who are in Afghanistan or Afghan citizens who may be eligible for special immigration visas because they helped Americans or in, in other ways might be eligible for that, we can assist you in contacting Minnesota's congressional delegation on their behalf. It, it is in this type of situation where our congressional leaders can help. Mm-hmm. They can get through the red tape and help people get on the planes and get out. This is already happening, and I just, uh, the, the American troops will probably leave on the 31st. The Taliban has put down a red line. Um, President Biden seems unwilling to uh, put more military force into that so that we, c- that we could stay longer, get more people out. So, Please wow. reach out to us if you are yes. aware of Americans or Afghans in the country who need help leaving the country. And so, yeah, pray and also be grateful for America because this really just sheds a light. You know, so many women talk about how, like, the patriarchy is alive and women are so oppressed in America, blah, blah, blah. Look at what's happen- happening in Afghanistan. Women are not oppressed here. I mean, there are women who are oppressed in America, but mainstream, this isn't a common thing. You know, right. women off, women are not wi- being beaten in a widespread way. Women aren't not a, women are allowed to go outside without a male counterpart. And w- there's not this like re- bloody regime reigning over America that's raping women systematically. No. There, there's, it's not. So really be grateful for where we're at in America. America has problems. We talk about those problems. But America, there's also good things about America. And we can't just act like America is the absolute worst. That's so know? right. Like, pray, pray for the people who are stuck mm-hmm. in this situation, the American troops, the American civilians, and the Afghans themselves who are in this horrifying rock-in-a-hard-place situation. Mm-hmm. And also be take grateful. a moment, as Grace said, to be grateful. Mm-hmm. To be grateful that our nation is 
ruled by laws, not men, that we, that we have been blessed with freedom. And I think, I think it's also important to realize that, that our, our ancestors gained that freedom, and it is, it is something that we have to fight for in each generation. Mm-hmm. It is not something that is given automatically. And, and, and just pray that we would, that we would and we've been talking about Gen Z and, and, and Gen Y, like pray that we would be willing, able, capable, uh, uh, to to uh, to to bear the the torch of freedom into the next generation. Right. And, Let me end yeah. by reading a quote by Ronald by Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I know you know which one I'm talking about. Freedom is never more than one generation from away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on them. Uh, it must be handed on them for to do, to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Wow. I think it's a good reminder to end on. Yes. So ending this episode with Ronald Reagan, probably the uh, greatest president of at least the last 50 years, in my humble opinion. Thank you so much for watching or listening to The Family Beacon. Remember, you can get more uh, of this content by following us on our social media platforms. Check out our newest Unwoke video, mfc.org forward slash Unwoke, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook to see that. I'm Moses Ratchford. We're here with Grace Evans. We're so glad that you tuned in today. Thank you so much. for listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth.